Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When you read our gospel lesson for today, the things that strike you are Jesus walking on water and Peter also walking on water and then beginning to sink. You might also think about the wind in the background. You see fearlessness, absolute terror, doubt, and near death. There are many paintings depicting this scene. You can sit back and just enjoy the scene or think about it and raise a number of questions about it. Maybe you are doing that right now. Just before this walking on the water, Jesus had done a real practical and beneficial miracle. He had fed 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves of bread and two fish. People who had followed him that day for most of the day had come to a remote place, and there was nowhere to go and buy food. The disciples had urged Jesus to send a crowd away to go and buy their own food. They felt the unstated need of the people after a long day following Jesus, but they saw no way of satisfying that need for food by themselves. But at Jesus' insistence that they should feed them, they had quickly realized that he had five loaves of bread and two fish. This food was like nothing at all for such a large crowd that had been following Jesus. The resulting miracle when Jesus prayed over the bread and the fish was the feeding of the 5,000 with 12 basketfuls of leftovers. That fulfilled a real practical need. People are hungry and they have little and you multiply the little food to feed all of them. Jesus then made the disciples go ahead of him by boat to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowd. And then he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Praying by himself was a regular practice of his. We do not often know the content of his prayers. We don't know if he's always asking God for something, but we know he doesn't have to. Simply having a conversation with God is a good enough practice. We can adopt that practice and simply talk to God ourselves. We don't always have to wait until we have a need before we talk to him. If you walk with God, which he did, this was also important. Praying to God is part of walking with him. It shows your trust and dependence on him. It is a good thing. As was his practice of prayer, Jesus prayed for a very long time on this mountainside. By the time he was done praying, sometime at dawn, his disciples were a considerable distance from land. They were being battered by the waves because the wind was against them. But they seemed to take things in stride. They did not express any fear of the wind. If they were afraid of the wind, they kept it to themselves. There were other times when they were terrified by the wind and thought they were certainly going to die. But not this time, at least not yet. But then suddenly, they saw this figure walking on the water toward them. That is when they became truly afraid. You can well imagine why they became so afraid. 
There is still darkness, and they could see this figure walking toward them underwater. They had never seen anything like this before. They could have jumped into the water and attempted to swim away from this figure. After all, they knew how to swim, but they were petrified on this occasion. All they could manage to say was, it is a ghost, pure terror. Have you ever been terrified before? Especially of the sort that happens suddenly without any warning? Maybe as a kid or even as an adult of an event that happened suddenly? I can't imagine that you haven't. Maybe some of you have lived through a hurricane or a tornado before. Certainly, you've seen the devastation they can cause on television and the descriptions given by those who experienced it. Pure terror. A month after Hurricane Katrina hit in 2005, there was Hurricane Rita. We lived in Houston at that time. From the weather forecast and the radar, Hurricane Rita was headed directly for Houston. It appeared worse than Katrina. It was massive. The warnings were urgent. Leave, leave now. The highways were turned into contraflow lanes. There was a mad dash to get away. Everybody seemed to have left at the same time. And then what was supposed to be contraflow lanes became a parking lot. People ran out of gas. There was an effort to get gas cans to cars that had stalled. People were stuck there for hours. You can imagine what was going through their minds. Pure terror. As I think sometimes when you are glad the meteorologists are wrong and the radars are wrong, the hurricane turned and went to a location where the population was sparse and the destruction of property much less. It was sheer terror seeing the hurricane coming. We did not leave, not because we did not feel the terror, but because we felt we had nowhere to go. If another one had come after that and so close to us, we would have been the first to leave. Fear, terror. The disciples experienced a life-threatening event on the sea. It was being tormented by the waves as a result of strong winds. But on this occasion, what seemed to terrify them was not the strong winds that was moving them farther and farther away from land. It was the figure they saw walking on the sea toward them. As fishermen, they had probably seen many ter terrifying things at sea, but nothing quite like this. A human being walking on the water when it was not quite light yet, the fourth watch of the night, that is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. It was as if they could see the Grim Reaper walking straight for them. Fear. It can simply be physical, at least according to psychologists. This experience in your mind, but it triggers strong physical reaction in your body. As soon as you recognize fear, your brain goes to work. It alerts your nervous system, which sets your body's fear response into motion. Stress hormones are released. Your blood pressure and heart rate increase. You start breathing faster. Even your blood flow changes. 
Blood actually flows away from your heart and into your limbs, making it easier for you to start throwing punches or running for your life. Your body is preparing for fight or flight. Psychologists offer a good explanation of fear. That may be all there is to it, but this leaves out the spiritual dimension. The Bible says there is no fear in love. We have the best possible love in Jesus, but we still have fears. Fears we may not know about until we are faced with a sudden, terrifying reality as the disciples face on this occasion. If I could have a choice between being afraid and never ever being afraid of anything, what would I choose? What an easy question for me. Maybe you are among those for whom fear is a thrill, but the sudden, unexpected, terrifying event is not something you can prepare for. Life does not give you such a choice. It is the suddenness of such fear that was experienced by the disciples. It does not give you time to reflect and say, this one is terrible, or I don't have to worry about that one. It happened suddenly, and you have no time to reflect. Why did Jesus walk on the lake? Was it only because he needed to get to the other side? Was Jesus walking on water just another miracle that God performed on Jesus' behalf? The answer has to be no, of course, because God does not work that way. He's not a God for show. Even though some would like him to be that way, he was not doing a miracle for a miracle's sake. He was showing by action his true identity, that he was not a mere human being, but God in the flesh. Who he is is important to what he came to do. He revealed his identity to the disciples through his teaching, but his actions also spoke clearly to them. On this occasion, it was his walking on the water and stretching out his hand and rescuing sinking Peter. The actions of God sometimes evoke fear and reverence. He was not trying to scare the disciples away from him. He was giving them a glimpse of who he was. How many of us take Jesus for granted that he is simply another human being, our body? The disciples, every now and then, got to experience his majesty, as in this case of him walking on the water. He did not change their personalities in order to work with them as his chosen people. He certainly did not change Peter's personality because he created that personality. On the other hand, he worked with it. And we are enriched because of his personality. He spoke first, he jumped in first, he did not wait until he had his words or actions just right in the presence of Jesus. On this occasion, when Jesus saw that they were all afraid because they saw a human being walking on troubled waters and they crowded out in fear, it's a ghost, he said to them immediately, and I assume calmly, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. The voice sounded like his, and the person looked like him. But what if it wasn't him? 
but some evil apparition pretending to be like him so he could cause them some harm. Peter's personality took over. Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. Can you tell if it was fear that pushed Peter to say what he said? Yes, fear and self-preservation, fear and safety. Imagine Peter's surprise when Jesus said, come. And his even greater surprise when he began to walk on the water. He probably only took a few steps when he noticed the wind again. Now he was afraid of the wind. The disciples seemed to take the wind in stride at first and were only afraid of this person walking on the water toward them. But now Peter saw the wind as if for the first time and he panicked. So now they had two fears, fear of the approaching figure and now fear of the wind, fear of surviving this dangerous situation. Death was certain now, they might have thought. But Jesus reached out his hand and caught Peter, which indicates that Jesus was very close to the boat and Peter only took a few steps in the water before he noticed the fierce wind and panicked. And he did the right thing. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus said to Peter, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Peter had not lost his faith in Jesus, and Jesus was not condemning him for not having faith. Peter still had faith, however little it was at this time. Who among us has perfect faith? If Jesus were to look for perfect faith among us, who among us would qualify? It doesn't mean, though, that we should boast about how little faith we have. We should always ask Jesus to increase our faith, for we need it in this world. But we can be certain that just as he continued to be with Peter and the disciples of little faith, he is with us as well, even if our faith is small. In difficult situations, he encourages us as well. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for the one without whom nothing was created that has been created. Even when the waves crash furiously, they are no match for him. He says as much to Job in our Old Testament reading. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no farther. Here is where your proud waves halt. We have the same Jesus whom the disciples had. We have the same Lord that they had. All these acts of power and miracles displayed by Jesus happened and it got into their heads. And so one day, when Jesus asked the disciples whom they believed he was, Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. On that same occasion, when Jesus told them that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised, Peter rebuked him and said, this shall never happen to you. Peter and the rest of the disciples 
has seen Jesus' occasional display of power and assumed things will always be that way. But they wouldn't be. Even this walking on the water incident in the midst of the storm did not provide the full picture of what Jesus had come to do. The full picture comes when he was lifted up on the cross, bearing the shame and disgrace of the whole world on himself, resulting in his death. What he came to do with the glimpses he provided of his power over nature was finished. He died and was buried. But he rose again on the third day for you and for me. That is why we can be certain that when we too cry out with the faith that he has given us, no matter how little we think it is, he hears us and provides the assurance that even if we face challenges in the present life, he has not forsaken us. Little faith is acceptable to him. He can handle our doubts. He takes them and he forgives them. And one day, what is not perfect to us will be made perfect by him so that we can live with him forever perfect. No more storms of life, no more uncertainties, for we shall see him as he is and live in perfect peace with him forever. The disciples saw Jesus as he is, a man and yet God, and they worship him saying, truly, you are the son of God. May it be that way for us as well as we affirm his divinity. Truly, you are the son of God and look forward eagerly to his coming and may his words calm our fears as we too hear him say, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid, amen. <laughs>